Hello, you're listening to Stick Together, delivering union news and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced at 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. You can listen to the show on your local community radio station or online at www.3cr.org.au forward slash stick together. I'm Grace Blake. Today on the show, we'll be talking about the recent strike action at McCormick Foods in Melbourne and the MUA's rally at the Brisbane offices of Rio Tinto on the 27th of March. But first, some union news. Two truck drivers were killed recently in a horrific truck crash in Sydney's south, highlighting the deadly nature of the job and the need for a solution to the crisis in trucking. The incident involved a head-on collision between two heavy vehicles at Wilton early on the morning of 24th of March, according to police reports. TWU National Secretary Tony Sheldon says that there is a crisis in trucking which the government is choosing to ignore. The federal government's own reports show a system of safe rates which allows investigation into financial pressures on drivers and transport operators would cut truck crashes by 28%. He also says that truck driving is becoming more dangerous. Last year, one out of every three workers killed was a transport worker, according to Safe Work Australia. We know drivers are under too much pressure, yet the government is turning away from dealing with this problem. Deaths from truck crashes are increasing. The end of last year showed a 6.2% jump in deaths from rigid vehicle crashes and a 1.6% jump in deaths from crashes involving articulated vehicles, according to the Bureau of Infrastructure, Transport and Regional Economics. In the 10 years to 2014, over 2,500 truck drivers and other road users died in truck crashes. The Senate has acted to protect the take-home pay of hundreds of thousands of hard-working but low-paid people in Australia. Now the legislation and the responsibility to protect working people pass to the lower house. This legislation will safeguard take-home pay against the penalty rate cuts handed down by the Fair Work Commission, which have subsequently been endorsed by the Turnbull government. ACTU President Jed Kearney says that the Senate has recognised that take-home pay must be protected in the face of these savage cuts that have been waved through by the Turnbull government. Without a government who is willing to stand up for working people, we need the crossbench and opposition in both houses to stand together. These cuts mean the lowest paid workers in Australia will have to find a way to make do with thousands of dollars less each year, or take on more work to make up the difference. The ALP, Greens and the Senate crossbench have done the right thing and acted to protect these vulnerable workers. The responsibility is now with the crossbench and opposition parties in the lower house to follow on from the great work that has been done by the Senate and support low-paid workers in this country. After months of negotiating and hard work on the part of many committed employees who vowed to stick together to get a fair deal for all swim teachers, the Swimming Instructors Association has announced an in-principle agreement has been reached regarding both further back pay and also a future enterprise agreement. This deal will see the average swim teacher earn over 20% more for their work and includes the reintroduction of penalty rates increases to wages and, importantly, an improvement to youth wages, which will see many young teachers now paid as adults, irrespective of their age. 
This, along with a significant amount in further back pay to be distributed to employees, was part of a deal reached between the Swimming Instructors Association bargaining representatives and PSS management. The Turnbull government is ploughing ahead with the deeply troubling PATH internship program despite significant community concern about the impact the program will have on vulnerable young job seekers. The program will offer up young people as free labour, displace real, wage-paying jobs, offer them no meaningful qualifications and hand money to employers. Youth unemployment is at historically high levels and more desperately needs to be done. However, this deeply flawed program is just another Turnbull government cash handout for business and must be stopped. ACTU President Jed Kearney says this is a program which runs contrary to everything we know works best to address youth unemployment and skill shortages. We know that young people need affordable education, real qualifications and investment in apprenticeships, traineeships and cadetships to help them into full-time ongoing work. Instead, this program offers employers a fistful of cash to replace a wage-paying job with a worker that they don't even have to pay at all, who earns less than a quarter of the legal minimum wage at $4 per hour. Instead of investing in TAFE and apprenticeships, this government proposes to tear the bottom out of the labour market by flooding it with workers who not only don't make a dent in your payroll, but actually bring in $1,000 every time you hire one. The Liberal government must end this farce and bring forward legislation that will actually do something to address the huge problems facing young people trying to make it in the workforce. Australian Council of Trade Union Secretary Sally McManus has announced the union movement's call for a $45 a week increase to the minimum wage. A real increase to the minimum wage will address the rising cost of living inflation and boost the economy. In her speech to the National Press Club last week, Sally McManus said the ACTU's submission that we should increase the minimum wage by $45 a week would not only boost family budgets, it would flow onto a substantial pickup across the whole economy. Ms McManus urged the Turnbull government to urge the Fair Work Commission to award the ACTU's claim to protect the living standards of almost 2 million Australians. We are living through a time when corporations and the very rich have become far too powerful and this has happened so quickly that our laws and rights and the things that keep things in balance have not kept up, she said. Wages are a symptom of that. Just a generation ago, a young person could finish school and have a good chance of getting a good, steady job when they wanted one which would provide enough for them to buy a house and start a family. Australian unions have won that fight before. We won changes that improved our living standards, like bringing in the minimum wage in the first place, not to mention paid leave, the weekend and a whole range of other improvements. The Electrical Trades Union, Queensland and Northern Territory branch, has advised that Operation Energise will be activated in the aftermath of Cyclone Debbie. This is a campaign by the ETU to coordinate safety checks and remedial connections for community clubs, not-for-profit organisations, pensioners, sole parents and people who are uninsured. Crews have been preparing since last year and this type of operation has been undertaken since 2006 when Tropical Cyclone Larry hit. 
Crews are looking to depart on the 19th of April, subject to power being restored to the affected regions. You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. Members of the National Union of Workers at McCormick Foods took rolling four-hour strike action on Wednesday the 29th of March at their Clayton South and Moorabbin Airport facilities. Members voted to take this action after negotiations for a new workplace agreement stalled. The company, which produces McCormick Spices, last year had a revenue of $4.1 billion and a net profit of $472 million and has told their workforce in Clayton and Moorabbin that they want to take away the paid breaks from afternoon and night shift, completely change staff rosters, and on top of that, they want workers to take a 6% wage cut. Stick Together spoke with Andy Giles, lead organiser with the NUW. Andy, can you tell me what the background is to the dispute at McCormick Foods? Yeah, so it's obviously um, their EBA expired in December last year, so the dispute is on the back of the negotiations, not progressing um, in a way that is suitable for our members, essentially. So we've met with the company um, on a number of occasions and through those EBA meetings, um, probably it, it's ramped up early this year. Um, we knew from the company's claims and the attack on the conditions that you know, they'd chosen to take an aggressive approach to the bargain. Um, and I guess it's escalated from there. Uh, what is the company wanting to do? Yeah, so the, the key things that um, are of concern to our members, their, their key claims, and they say their key claim is around the hours of work. So right now in the agreement, our members enjoy a four-day week, so they work a four nine-and-a-half-hour shifts per week. Um, that's worked across Monday to Friday, so the company have coverage across the week. But what they're saying now is that they they can't um, run that way anymore. They want to average the hours of work out um, over 38 hours. So, and what they're saying is that yeah, that the working week needs to be an average of 38 hours. They won't commit to any rosters. Um, but I'll, the other thing I'll say to that is that this system, the, the four hour, uh, four day, nine and a half hour shifts, has been going on for years now, and it was actually the company's claim, um, you know, years gone by to introduce the nine-and-a-half-hour shift. So what that meant was that the members at that time, you know, restructured their their lives and, and their family lives around that because the company said, you know, we need to move to this system, this structure of the four days, um, nine-and-a-half-hour shifts per week. So our members did that. And then years later, the company now coming back to them saying that doesn't work for us and, and we need you to just average 38 hours a week for us to run. So the company isn't negotiating, is that right? So we're, we're meeting, so yes, they're not, I wouldn't call it negotiation. We are meeting with the company weekly, um, but essentially what they've said, and I'll talk to some of their other claims, but what the company have said every meeting we've had to them is that they don't want to discuss any of the other claims that we have until our members agree to accept the changes of the averaging 38 hours per week. 
So this is, in fact, a, a process of negotiating the EBA, and that's why you're able to take action. Yes, yeah. So our members, um, after several negotiations and then having the delegates, um, myself, report back to the members, the members um, gave us the direction to apply for a protected action ballot um, a few weeks ago now, and that's what we did, and that's obviously last week was the first time that action was taken. Can you tell us a little bit more about that process? So um, after we, we meet with the company weekly, as I say, and after every negotiation meeting with the company, the delegates and myself and another organiser, Chris, will hold mass meetings to report back to the members what was discussed. Um, we talk through the company's claims and, and, and the discussions, but and they're pretty. The conversation is pretty brief because, as I said, the company have made it clear that until we agree to the hours of work and some of their other clauses, that they don't want to discuss any of the other claims that our members have. So we, we report that back to the membership. Um, we let them know exactly what has taken place in the negotiation and then um, you know, we open it up for feedback. And the feedback that we've been getting um, from our members is that, you know, again, as the company years ago asked them to move to this structure, um, they've set their family lives up. They have partners that are working. They have kids at school. They have parents that they care for. So it's a big deal for them. Um, our members are saying that they don't want to have to reshuffle their lives again. Why does the company think it's so important? Uh, I guess on the on the back of those meetings and the, the delegates having a number of conversations on the floor and every day while they're at work, it's come back to us that um, the members said, look, we're not we're not happy with the company's attitude towards the bargain and, and the attack on their conditions. Um, so they suggested and in one of the mass meetings there was a motion put forward by one of the members that we moved to um, lodging with Fair Work to, to conduct a protected action ballot, which is what we did. Is there going to be further action or...? Have yeah, so there'll be... There's more action this Thursday coming. So the members have voted to take um, four-hour stoppages again, which is the same as they did last week. So that'll be commencing uh, Thursday this week at 12 o'clock and we'll go through till 8 o'clock on Thursday evening. Uh, what's the company's reaction to this? They haven't... We're, we're meeting with them tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We're meeting with the company tomorrow. Um, they haven't changed... so. Before we took action last Wednesday, we met with the company on Tuesday. They stuck to their position of um, accepting our, uh, the company's claims or nothing. The other thing that I'll add with that, I've spoken about the hours of work, but there's a couple of other key claims that the company um, have put out there and saying that they want so there's, they want to remove um, the paid meal break on afternoon and night shift, which is a big deal for our workers, particularly if so at the same time they want to be able to roster people, change people's rosters, hours of work, um, and they then want to be able to say, we could potentially move you to afternoon shift, average you out 38 hours per week, and on top of that, we're going to um, take the paid meal break that you currently enjoy off you as well. And then there's a the big kicker at the end of it is the company is saying that they want the workers to take a 6% pay cut per year or so for the life of the agreement. That's quite a big cut. Yeah. The other thing I'll just add to it, um, there's obviously uh, there's been a big push from the community um, to boycott McCormick's and what we always like to encourage is that when we have action, um, that members of the community can come down as well and show their support. 
Thanks, Andy. That was Andy Giles from the National Union of Workers talking to Stick Together about the rolling strikes at McCormick Foods in Melbourne. You can find further information about these strikes on the NUW's Facebook page or at www.nuw.org.au. I'm Grace Blake. Stick together. 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 You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio. On Monday, 27th of March, a rally was held outside the offices of Rio Tinto in Brisbane. The gathering included about 80 union activists and supporters from the MUA, ASU, United Voice, the ETU and the CFMEU, as well as community activists, Socialist Alternative. Bob Carnegie, Secretary of the MUA's Queensland branch, addressed the rally, which was held to protest Rio Tinto breaking the Memorandum of Understanding that it signed with the MUA in 2010. This MOU required Rio to have Australian workers make up between 70 to 80% of the crew on their Australian coastal fleet. Currently, Australian seafarers make up less than 30% of the crews on the Gladstone to Waper run, while the rest of the crew are foreign workers who are paid well below award wages at $3 to $4 per hour and working for stints as long as nine months. Kay Broadbent, our Queensland reporter, was there. Look, we're gathered here today, this is the start of something that's going to become much bigger. This is the start of the Australian working class saying that we have a right to work in our own country. demand work, not welfare. That seafarers in this country are not going to be thrown on the scrap heap of life and that we become the last generation of seafarers in this country. Workers united will never be defeated. The workers Got the proudest day of my life was my birthday in 1980. I got my white card to join this union. Yes, you are. I've worked constantly my life. My mother had a stroke. I had to take a couple of years off. I'm back at sea. Have been for 17 years now. Back at sea. And uh, I haven't worked in 18 months. I'm 60. I'm capable. I'm strong. I'm fit. I know my job. Yet I can't get meaningful employment. So I've had to eat my retirement funds. I will have nothing when I have to for my pension because I am eating it now. So there's many other men around here having to, to sacrifice their future to try and build a better future for our children because it's over for me, I know. We're not going to let the likes of the second largest mining house on this planet win this fight. Are we? No! No way. We are going to win. Yeah! 
is this. We're going to win that we have a right to work in our country. Hospital and 
antidepressant and it putting me in a higher dose and I'm here to stand up for every Australian who have a low pay and then get paid in a, a proper so that's what I'm here for not only for me for every Australian After the rally speeches, around 40 activists and supporters occupied the foyer of the Rio Tinto building, staying for about one hour. After threatening the protesters with arrest, the police negotiated with the protesters and Rio Tinto, who agreed to speak with a delegation of three from the unions and the Queensland Council of Unions representative. From the meeting, the delegation secured an agreement from Rio Tinto that they would meet with the MUA to discuss the issue. The occupation ended with no arrests. That was the rally at Rio Tinto in Brisbane, which was held last week. Thanks to Kay Broadbent for that recording. May Day is coming up soon, so be sure to look for events in your state. That's all for this week's show. Thanks to Andy Giles for talking to us today. Stick Together is produced in Melbourne at 3CR Radio. The show is made possible by listeners just like you, so make sure to contact your local community radio station and subscribe to keep us on the air. Stick Together is broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network and you can listen to us on your local community radio station. If you're listening online, you can find the podcast at 3cr.org.au forward slash stick together. You can also contact the producers of the show by emailing sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 Nine four one nine eight three double seven, and leaving us a message. And remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. My name's Grace Blake. Until next time, bye for now. <laughs>